Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It's good to see all of you out this evening, or morning, I guess it is. Evening was last night, and we're in the third day anyway. It's the third day, since we're the third day. Third day from Christ, I said we're in it, we're moving into it, be a better way to say the third day, because we know the third day, one day with the Lord's a thousand years, a thousand years is as one day, right? Right. So we're one since we're moving into the seventh day from Adam, but the third day from Jesus Christ. Seventh day means that seven thousand years, seven thousand years from Adam. We believe that in the on the sixth day, the six thousand year, at the end of that year is when Jesus Christ will come. Yeah. Remember, every week of your life, right. ever since you've been born, ever since time has been known, the Lord has been telling us when He's coming. When He's coming at the end of the sixth day. Because on the seventh day, there's going to be rest on this earth. Isn't that right? Amen. <clears throat> God's plan shall take place and come to pass, and nothing shall stop it. So it is time for the outpouring. We've entered into the edge of it. We've entered into it. It's just uh, the full manifestation is coming upon us each and every day. And we will see the miraculous and see the supernatural. <laughs> Brother Scott, he wants to go into the box ministry. He's Man. been so concerned this morning yeah, about absolutely. the... The box. He can't get the box at Azusa Street and Brother Seymour putting the box on his head and seeking God, so he wants to get a box. I asked Pastor Harris if he wanted one. And I was wondering, you know, they used to make boxes out of wood. I wonder if it was a wood box or a cardboard box. You know, a wood box would be kind of heavy, wouldn't it? But uh, anyway, we'll get you one and see if it'll work with you or not. But we're in a time that God is moving supernaturally. And we know that he's moving by his spirit. Let's turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 2, I believe is where we were at. And begin to talk about some of those things. Yes, the things of God come to pass as we pray and seek God and believe God. And all the efforts that's been put forth, all the prayer that's been put forth up to this point have not been wasted. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 1. It says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's exactly where the Lord is bringing the church to today. Of those two verses, He wants us as ministers of the gospel to have our speech and preaching, not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power of God. Turn to St. John chapter 10. What I've done again today is I took a popular opinion poll of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And by popular opinion, I believe that I have some things by the Holy Ghost that's going to encourage me. I'm going to preach to myself. And just because you were so gracious to come, I'm going to let you listen if you want to, but we're not going to force anybody else. But the Lord was just reminding me of some things that I need to do and reminding me of some things that I need to take charge of, and I'm going to do that. But in St. John chapter 10, verse 10, the Bible says, The thief cometh not... But for to what? Steal, Steal, to kill, and to destroy. He said, Jesus said, But I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. He said, It's the thief is trying to steal our blessings. It's not God. It's not the Holy Ghost. It's the thief that's trying to stop and destroy. It's not God. It's not the Holy Ghost. He said that what he came to do is he come that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. Turn to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. We know God's best. We know God's direction. We know God's word for this hour is that we speak with demonstration of the Spirit and power, right? But we also know we got hindering forces that try to hinder us. Matthew chapter 4, verse number 1. The Bible says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, to be tested, to be tried, to be challenged of the devil. Now, a lot of times, you know, I have preached this and even thought this way. I maybe more thought it than preached it. 
that what God was doing was uh, sicking the devil on Jesus. But I'm here to tell you, God was not sicking the devil on Jesus. Amen. What God was doing was sicking Jesus on the devil. Amen. That's exactly what was happening. Yeah. God was sicking Jesus on the devil. He was showing the devil, buddy, you might have whooped the first Adam. You might have took him out. You might have took Eve yeah. out, but I've got a prototype yeah. here yeah. now that we're fixing to put up against you. He's been in the, in the uh, uh, what do they call it, in the bay, in the work bay. Down there at NASA, they got work bays. I don't know if you ever toured that place. I have several times. You know, they got work base where they build these rockets and missiles and then they set them out there on the launch pad and see what they'll do. Well, I'm here to tell you, God had built this prototype here that had never existed before. He was the second Adam. God manifested in the flesh and he said, all right now, devil, let's see what you got. I'm going to send my best prototype, my best one out against you. Isn't that right? And God launched the devil on, I mean, launched Jesus on the devil. God was not sicking the devil on Jesus. I want you to know that. And so God is not sicking the devil on you. The devil is already here. Why is he here? He's got a right to be here. Why? Because Adam gave the devil a right to be here when he fell in the Garden of Eden. We understand that. It wasn't God that allowed the devil to come into this earth. It was Adam and it was Eve. By their disobedience and uh, to God and a pledge of allegiance to the devil, they gave their authority over to Satan. And ever since that day, Satan has a right to be here. How long does Satan have a right to be here? To the end of the sixth day? When the end of the sixth day, because that was man's right to rule on this earth, was 6,000 years. At the end of the 6,000 years, man's earth lease, you could call it, our right to rule and reign is up on this planet. But until that time, the devil has a right to go about how? As a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for someone that does not understand their authority in Christ over him. And he's been trying to hinder God's plan for your life. He's been trying to hinder God's plan for my life. He's been trying to hinder God's plan for my ministry. Every name in here. He's been trying to hinder God's plan for your life. Isn't that right? It's not God. The thief cometh not but for to kill, steal, and destroy. He said, but I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. What God wants to do to you this morning is stir you up and sick you on the devil. That's exactly what God wants me to do. That's what this whole service is geared toward. God wants us operate in the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. And God wants, <laughs> God wants you to go after the devil. I'm here to tell you now, the balance of it is, you know, we get so concerned that we're going to blow the devil out of proportion. Well, we know enough. If you've been around here long enough, you know that we know the devil is a peak squeak. But the reality of it is, scripturally, he's a pig squeak. Isn't that right? But the reality of it is, he's a big squeak in most people's lives. Not a pig squeak. He's a big squeak. And he's always a squeaking on folks. He's always a hindering folks. He's always a bothering folks. Why? Because we don't take our authority over him. Jesus Christ is not going to do anything about the devil. You can squall. You can cry. You can pray. You can do anything you want to. But the Lord Jesus Christ is not going to do anything about the devil. I'll remind you of something you already know and stir up your pure minds. Remember this. When Jesus Christ appeared to Dr. Kennedy Hagin. And the devil ran between them, just a little bitty demon. Remember, a little demon ran between them and started making all this racket. And J Dr. Hagen, remember, said to himself, why doesn't Jesus make this devil leave? Why don't he make him go? And in the process of Jesus appearing to him and telling him this, he was thinking, well, I need to get this revelation. Don't Jesus know I need to hear what he's saying? But these demon, little old bitty demon, is making so much racket, he said, I can't even hear what he's saying. Why don't Jesus do something about this devil? Then remember, out of frustration and desperation, Dr. Kenneth E. Hagin said to this devil, I command you to shut up and stop right now in the name of Jesus. And that little old demon instantly curved flop, hit the floor, and started whimpering and shaking. He said, not only have you got to shut up and stop. I command you to get out of here right now in the name of Jesus. And this little demon got up and ran off into the spirit world. And then Jesus pointed to where that little demon had been and said to Dad Hagen, he said, if you had not done something about that, he said, I could not have done something about it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's still the same way today. Jesus Christ has delegated to you and to I the authority over the powers of darkness. And when we take that authority and use it and put the devil in his place, 
then we're going to come out successfully. What God is doing right here in Matthew chapter 4, remember, is He's not sicking the devil on Jesus. He's sicking Jesus on the devil. Amen. And Jesus came out victorious every single time, and so can you and I. We may be tested, we may be challenged, we may be tried, but every way the devil comes at us, every single way that he came at Jesus, Jesus defeated him. It don't matter how many ways he comes or how many ways he came, how many ways he came, he was defeated. Isn't that right? Said, so how do we know? Because the Bible says. After this experience in verse 11 was complete of Matthew chapter 4, it says, Then the devil leaveth him, or you could say left him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Well, God wants the devil to leave you too. He wants the devil to leave me. God has given us authority over the powers of darkness, but we've got to use that authority. Turn to Matthew, I believe it's chapter 18. We'll see when we get there. It may be 16, but we're going somewhere over here anyway. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 18. The word of God says, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Who does the loosing and who does the binding? We do. We've got to take our authority. You've got to take your authority. Why? Because the Word of God says so. It's not because I said so. It's because the Word of God says so. And it says in Matthew chapter 16, verse, I mean Matthew chapter 16, verse number 19. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 19. The words of Jesus speaking there. And he said, I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Who does the binding and who does the loosing? We do. We do. It starts on earth and then heaven backs you up. That's what we do. But because of religious practices inspired by the devil, I said inspired by the devil, many people don't realize and have never realized their authority over the powers of darkness. We're created the very image and likeness of God, and the devil is defeated and has been unseated. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. We can walk in the victory that God has given to us. But here in these scriptures, these last couple of scriptures we read, we've seen that we have authority of the devil. We've got to do the binding. We've got to do the loosing. It starts here on earth, and then heaven backs up what we do on earth. Why? It's not that we're usurping the authority of God. Jesus delegated to us his authority. Turn to Matthew chapter 28. He said, Brother Randy, you're reading a lot of scriptures. I'm making up for the rest of the services. <laughs> Isn't that right? Amen. We're just catching up. Yeah. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. I'm stirring up your pure minds. Yeah. It's the enemy that's been hindering you. It's not God. It's the enemy. I was stirred up this morning. It was the, the devil's been hindered, not God. Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, you could say all authority, is given unto me where? Two places. Heaven, Heaven and in earth. Notice there's two specific places that all authority had been given to Jesus in heaven and on this earth. Where on heaven, in the heavens, and on this earth. He has the authority. It's been given to him. But notice what he done. And he told this to Dr. Kenneth E. Hagin when he appeared to him in a vision. In Matthew chapter 28 verse 19. He said, go ye therefore. When he said to us, go ye therefore, he was delegating his authority, our power to rule and reign on this earth to those that have been born again and washed in the blood and become Christians. So he said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Isn't that right? Yeah. God has given us authority and power over all the powers of darkness and we must use that power and we must use that authority. Turn to Luke chapter 10. What's the Holy Ghost doing? Us? He's reminding us in his word. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every truth be established. Well, here we are. Amen. We're establishing truths. Matthew chapter 10, verse number 17. Jesus, uh, well actually, Jesus has sent 70 of his disciples out on a missionary journey. He anointed him, anointed them with the Holy Ghost and with power. And they came back to give him a report. And this was a report that they re he received from them. 
And Luke 10, 17, Luke chapter 10, verse number 17 says, The 70, the ones that he had sent out prior on a missionary journey, says the 70 returned again with sadness, doom, and gloom, and say, Poor old me, how am I going to ever make it? The devil has beat me up black and blue, and I'm never going to do what you tell me to do. That's not what he said, no, but if you listen to the majority of the church world today, that's exactly what their report is. It's always a doom and gloom and defeat. What are we going to do? How are we going to get out of this? I said, Brother Randy, you stirred up. No, the Holy Ghost is stirred up. He stirred me up. It says, and the 70 returned again with what? Joy. So what happened to your joy? The devil took your joy away from you. I said, what happened to your joy? The devil took your joy away from you. Joy, you need to get dishwasher liquid called joy. If you're going to wash dishes, wash with joy. Amen. Glory to God, do it with joy. Everything you do, the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. So why does the devil want my joy? He wants my strength. Isn't that right? And so I'm here to tell you what the enemy comes. He tries to come and get our joy, take our faith, zap our strength, take our energy, take our ability so that we can accomplish God's will. But he can't stop us. The 70 returned again with joy, not sadness and doom and gloom and defeat. But they said, he turned again with joy saying, Lord, even the devils, the devils, the devils are subject unto us, what? Through your name. The devils are subject unto us. The, in, the devil, Satan, is subject to us. And he said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. And he goes on to make a powerful statement that I don't want you to overlook. Verse 19. Behold, I give unto you. In other words, I have delegated unto you. I'm giving you something. I want you to know something. Yes, the devil was loosed in this earth by Adam, but because of Jesus Christ, the second Adam, I've whipped him, I've overcame him, and I have the authority, and I'm about to give it to you. He said, Behold, I give unto you power or authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over how much power? All the power of the enemy. And nothing, he said, nothing shall by any means hurt you or stop you or hinder you or cause you not to fulfill the plan that I have for you. He said, now, just don't throw a party or rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. If your name is written in heaven, it's automatic that the spirits are subject unto you. So I'm more excited about my name written in heaven than I am about it being, uh, uh, you know, that I have authority of the devil. Why? Because I don't have authority of the devil unless my name's written in heaven. But if my name's written in heaven, then the devil knows that. I said, the devil knows that. I said, the devil knows that. I said, how do you know he knows that? Well, I'm going to show you that he knows that. Turn to Acts. I said, where at? I don't know. I'll find it here. Acts 19, the man tells me, my scholar up here. Acts 19. Acts 19. That's what we're doing. The Lord is stirring us up. I'm telling you, we won the battle. I know it. I'm telling you, we got the victory. I woke up with victory this morning. I went to bed with victory last night. I woke up with victory. And you're going to have the victory if I have to drag you in kicking and screaming into victory. I'm going to drag you in there because you've got victory. You're not going to be sad and depressed and down and out no more. You're going to be excited about what God is doing because that's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to get on that path of doom and gloom and poor old me and how is this going to work out no you've got to get on the positive side with the positive side which is the faith side that's God's side and if you'll stay on God's side you're going to whoop the devil every single time this is what Dr. Kenneth e. Hagin said he said you've got to keep the devil in the arena of faith if you're going to whoop him he said you can't get in the arena of the sense realm or the doubt and seeing realm of why this and why that he said if you'll just stay in the arena of faith you'll whoop the devil every time what is faith you walk by Faith and not by sight. What is faith? Faith is believing that you have something that you cannot see, perceive, or sense in the physical material world that you live in. Does it exist? Yes, it does. What does it exist? It exists in the realm of God, Amen. in the yes. spiritual realm. Yes. And if you're going to take those things yes. out of that spiritual realm yes. and bring them into this world that Amen. you live in, in this Amen. physical world, the only way you're going to do it is in the arena of faith. So you jump off in that arena of faith and strap yourself to that faith bull. And I'm here to tell you, you may rock and roll. You know, you've seen them guys at PBR, that professional bull riding thing. You know, I noticed some of them, they get bucked off. I don't know if you've ever seen it before they ever come out to shoot. 
They try to get on them bulls, you know, and they try to cinch up that, uh, what do they call it, strap that they hold on to. You know, they can only hold over one arm. And that bull blows his belly out, you know, and they kicking that thing in the belly and pushing on him, trying to get it where he can't uh, loosen that rope once he get up there. And he'll get on top of it. And that bulls, if they mean bulls, and they got some mean bulls, it's like there's some mean devils. But I'm here to tell you, you're a greater match for any devil that you could ever get in the ring with. Don't be afraid to get in the ring with the devil. My God jumped right in there with him. Them crazy cowboys, I'm telling you, they'll push that hat down on their head because you can't wear no loose hat and ride no bull. And that's what's wrong with most folks in the Christian world today. They got a loose hat. You need to be wrapped up in the word of God and have your word of God pulled down on top of you and have that helmet of salvation, brother, and lace it up and just jump over in that pen and say, throw the rope around the bull's belly. I'm ready to ride this thing. And they start pulling that thing up tight and I've seen them bulls. While they're still in the pen, you know, where, where they call it, the chute, before they come out in the ring and the bulls start bucking and blow the cowboy off his back. <laughs> before he can ever get out there. You know what I've seen every one of them cowboys that can still walk do? They climb right back up over in there and ain't got no better sense and sit down on that bull and hang on again. And then all of a sudden, here comes the bell a-ringing and the whistle blowing and that gate flies open and here comes that bull snot a-flying out of its nose and other things are flying out of the rear end. I'm here to tell you, don't know if you've ever seen it, and the cowboy bucking and a-blocking and hanging on and he's got his hat already pushed down hard and he's a-hanging on to that rope, either right or left, whatever it is, and that bull's a-snorting and a-rolling and I'm here to tell you, when they ride that bull for eight seconds, it's an eight second ride but I'm here to tell you if you can hang on to that bull and stay with him for eight seconds them cowboys are happy they usually come a shooting off about six foot and a half if they can get loose from the thing and then once they get loose they're so excited they pull that hat they then push down and sling it in the ring saying my God I'll whoop that bull well I'm here to tell you if a cowboy can whoop a bull you can whoop the devil I'm here to tell you why because Jesus really in one sense of speaking we don't have to defeat him the devil's already defeated but you can't be afraid of the devil and go through this life. Yes, he goes about as a roaring lion. He is in disguise. I'm here to tell you, even though he looks like a roaring lion, you look at his mouth. He is toothless and all he can do is gum you. He can't bite you. I mean, he may look like... <laughs> He may look like a roaring lion, but you take him to the dentist office and set him up in that chair and let him run a mile light down his throat. He can't bite you because Jesus has pulled his teeth, I'm here to tell you. But what we've done is in the church world, either number one, we've shut our mouth about preaching about the devil, or number two, we hadn't acted on our authority and the devil's been ruling and reigning in the church world, but it's time he stops today. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> Woo! I'm liable to get excited in a minute, but glory to God. Why? Because that's where we're at. You can't be afraid of the devil and move out in God because yes, he's going to come out against you one way, but the Bible says he will flee before you seven ways. My God, is we got the victory and God's given us the authority. And if your name is written in heaven, you've got authority over the devil in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and he's not going to stop you. You've got to arise in the victory and the authority that God has given you. Acts chapter 19, we turn there, right? All right, number 13, verse number 13, Acts chapter 19, verse number 13. We're talking about if your name is written in heaven, the devil knows who you are. I said if your name is written in your heaven, I mean in heaven, the devil knows who you are. If your name is written in heaven, the devil knows who you are. If your name is written in heaven, the devil knows who you are. I want to say that again. If your name is written in heaven, the devil knows who you are. If it's not written in heaven, he knows who you are too. And he knows that you don't have authority over him and you can't cast him out and you can't make him do anything. Right. So the main thing that you need to make sure of is that your name is written on the book Amen. in heaven by being born again and washed in the blood. But in Acts chapter 19, verse 13, it says, Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits. In other words, they found somebody that had evil spirits. Says the name of the Lord Jesus saying, we adjure you or we command you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. In other words, they saw Paul casting out devils undoubtedly in the name of Jesus and getting results. And they realized that he's using this name and so they're going to try what Paul is doing, but they don't qualify. Said, how do you know they don't qualify? Because the next verses prove that out. Verse number 14, it says, There were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. 
It says, And the evil spirit answered, they commanded him, and this thing spoke out through this man's mouth, the evil spirit did, and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? In other words, I know who Jesus is, and I know who Paul is. You know why he knew who Paul was? Because Paul's name was written where? In heaven. And if your name is written in heaven, you qualify. But he also knew that these seven other fellows that were standing there, he said, who are you? In other words, in Georgia Swamp language, he was saying, who do you think you are? What do you think you come here to do to me? You don't have the authority over me. You're not in Christ. You're not born again. You're not washed into blood. So you don't qualify. You think you're going to beat me up? You think you're going to make me do something, big boy? I'll show you what you're going to do. Ah, you're going to listen to what I say do. And it says, the man in whom the evil spirit was... Three things the devil wants to do to every human being on this planet, whether they're born again or whether they lost, is found right here in this verse. How do you know? The Holy Ghost revealed it to me one time. First thing he done is he leaped on them. The second thing he done is he overcame them. The third thing he done is he prevailed against them. So they fled out of that house naked and wounded. That's the strategy of the devil, and it's never changed from the beginning of time. He leaped on Eve in the Garden of Eden with suggestion, thoughts, and, and seductive ideas about how she could be greater than God and no more than God. Adam teamed up and joined with her, so he overcame them and prevailed against them, and he came into this earth by usurping their authority and has a right to be here to the end of the 6,000 year, and the day will come that he will be bound in the chains for 1,000 years, loose for a little season, then cast into an everlasting lake of fire according to the word of God. Amen. Amen. But notice here, the man who the evil spirit was leaped on him. The devil, that's what he wants to do to everybody. He wants to leap on him. But see, just because the devil leaps on you or tries to come against you don't mean that he's won. And you sure cannot tuck your tail in like a dog been beat with a broom and run because you can't win that way. He leaped on them, but leaping on him, you can get him off of you. How do you know? Jesus was a prime example. Remember, God was sicking Jesus on the devil. And when the devil come to hit him upside the head, he was thinking this is going to be as easy as the first Adam. But he found out that it wasn't. When he come to leap on Jesus, instead of overcoming him, Jesus overcame the devil and prevailed against him. So he leaped on them, he overcame them, and prevailed against them, so they fled out of that house naked and wounded. It's the first recorded event of streaking in history. It said here, they run them down the road, I am not making this up. They fled out of that house, how? What's that word? Naked. What does that mean? No clothes on. You could imagine seven grown men running down the road while Martha's in there washing dishes and Mary looks out the window and said, Oh my God, don't look, Martha. Seven grown men. And she's trying to peek out the curtain. But anyway, seven grown men running down the road. It's said here, naked and wounded. It says, This was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling in Ephesus. And fear fell on them all and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. What was happening? The name of the Lord Jesus was what? Magnified. It was magnified. You know what we're here for? To magnify the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not here to magnify the name of Randy Greer. I'm not here to magnify the name of any human being. My ministry is not to magnify myself or have people give me accolades or lift me up or set me on a pedestal. My job on this earth is to magnify the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in every time that I invoke my rights and privileges in the name of Jesus and make the devil obey me, guess what happens? I'm magnifying the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every time that I give testimony to the fact that I've overcome in areas of my life, I give testimony to the fact that I'm magnifying the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and lifting him up. So what is the devil after in your life? He's after your testimony that would magnify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He would rather you have a doom and gloom report wondering which way's up. How am I going to get out of this situation? How's it ever going to change? But you can't listen to him. Why? Because the Lord has brought us to a place that he not only wants us to proclaim the gospel, but to demonstrate the gospel. It's a time of demonstration. Not only proclamation, but demonstration. But notice the devil leaped on him. But notice this, because Paul's name was written in heaven, the devil knew who he was. Isn't that right? right? But Paul also knew who he was. Even though the devil knew who Paul was, Paul had to know who he was. Right. See, not everybody that's been delegated the authority recognizes 
their authority. You've got to recognize and operate in the authority that God has given to you. You cannot take a passive position when it comes to the devil. You cannot just hope he will leave and go away because he won't. You cannot pray for God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, or the Holy Ghost to do something about the devil for you. It is unscriptural in the New Testament to pray for God to do anything about the devil for you. Every scripture concerning the devil, demons and evil spirits in the New Testament, every scripture, and this is a message in and of itself, <coughs> and maybe I won't take time to go down that road, but the, the every scripture in the New Testament always tells the believer to do something about the devil for right. themselves. Right. Every scripture, every scripture. It says in uh, what Mark 16, 17, and we won't turn there, but it says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. It didn't say that they would pray to the Father and the Father would cast the devil out for them. Why? Because Jesus has already delegated to us the authority over Satan. He said, in my name they shall cast out devils. James chapter 4, verse 7, it says this. Submit yourself, therefore to God, you resist the devil, and he will flee from who? You. So, but you've got to resist him. How? In the name of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8, right in there somewhere. It says, uh, be sober, be, you're, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about as a roaring lion, seeking to be made devour, whom resist. Who resist? It's implied that you resist him. How? Steadfast in the faith. What faith? Faith in the name of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You have authority over the devil, and you can put him in his place every single time without fail, yeah. and he has to go. And until we do it, it's not going to be done. Until you do it and take authority in your life, it's not going to be done. Amen. Taking authority is not always a feeling. I said taking authority is not always a goosebump feeling. When you take authority, sometimes, in fact, maybe most of the time, you may not feel a thing. You cannot go by feelings. People are waiting. Now, I believe that you have to have the anointing of God, but the way you get the anointing according to the Bible is to have your name written in heaven. Right. So you are anointed. I remember one time in talking about the anointing, uh, in a meeting, Dr. Kennedy Hagin called on this minister to come forward and minister. And this minister, when he called him to come forward and, and minister in the service, he, he was led of the Lord to have this minister minister. This minister said to Brother Hagin, he said, I don't sense an anointing. Lay hands on me and impart an anointing to me. And you could tell that Brother Hagin didn't like that. And he said, uh, you need to lay hands on me and impart an anointing to me. He said, I'm not going to lay hands on you and impart no anointing to you. He said, you're already anointed because you're born again. You're already anointed. You don't have to have anybody lay hands on you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to have anybody lay hands on you and impart an anointing to you. If you're born again, you got the anointing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not that you can't receive special anointings and impartations from laying out of hands through ministry gifts when God deems it necessary. But the truth about the matter is you're anointed right now whether you feel like it or not. Right. But see what the minister, and I'm not belittling the minister, had I been there, I probably would have done worse than he. You understand? I, I don't know. But every time Brother Hagin ever called me, I just got up and acted like I had good sense. Fool most folks, I fool, fool them all most of the time. And I didn't have good sense, but I'd just get up and act like I had good sense. I'd just act like I was anointed. But what the minister was implying, again, not belittling anybody, he was implying because he didn't feel anything that he wasn't anointed for the task. And many people go by feelings instead of by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight or the senses. Remember, you've got to keep the devil in the arena of faith regardless of what you feel, regardless of what it looks like. You've got to stand on what the Word of God says and you're going to come out victorious every single time. Isn't that right? So, yes, can you sense the anointing? Yes. Can you actually feel the anointing? Yes. There are times that you actually sense and feel the anointing. Can you have what we call Holy Ghost goosebumps? It's like your hair <coughs> stands up on your head and, and everything. Yes, you can have that. But you can't base your actions on whether you have a goosebump or not right. all the time. Why? Because it's not based on that. 
Your, your anointing is based on the fact that your name is written in heaven because you made a decision and made a choice. If you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you believed in your heart that God is raised from the dead and confessed that fact with your mouth, then Jesus Christ is Lord of your life and you have the anointing when? Right then. When do you have it? Right then. When are you going to lose it? You're not going to lose it. If you stay in Christ, you got the anointing. Well, say, what if I don't feel like it? Well, I well, the Bible says, well, there, uh, brother, if you feel like you got the anointed, you is an anointed man of God. No, it don't say that anywhere. It don't say anything. It says you walk by faith and not by sight or sense realm. So whether you're going to be successful of the enemy or not, it's not <coughs> because you're going to feel like it. But you've got to operate in it, and you've got the authority. But notice the devil here in this passage, he knew who Jesus was. He knew who Paul was. But at the same time, I want to point out to you, Paul had to know who he was in Christ. And surely he did. Because he ministered and was effective at casting out devils. Turn to Matthew 17. Remember, I'm making it for all the scriptures I didn't read to you. But poured them all into you. What are we doing? We're stirring up your pure minds. We're in this move of God. What about the time of God? We're in it right now. Yeah. We're in it right now. And, and the enemy, I'm telling you, just you know, when God begins to move, the enemy don't lay down and go to sleep. I mean, he's going to have a counterfeit something trying to go on all the time. Right. But you've got the authority over him in Jesus' name. Matthew chapter 17, verse number 14. Jesus had been up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. And that's when Moses and Elijah was there talking with them. And then they came down from the mountain in verse number 14 of Matthew 17. It says, when they were come to the multitude, there was a multitude of people there. It says, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed. For oftentimes he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. What it was is evil spirit would come on him and try to kill him. That's what was happening. It says, and I brought him to thy disciples, and they what? What are those two words there? Could not. Say it loud. Could not. Now, who was this that could not cure him? How do you know? How do you know? How do you know? You cannot fail this test. It's in the, the answer is right here. Yeah, and you got it right. It's, I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. They could not. But listen, these are disciplined followers. Now, disciples should be, and I think could be in one sense, defined as a disciplined follower of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Is that close enough, Dr. Becker? Close. You know, we don't have to have all the tenses in the Hebrews <laughs> and every brew. But anyway, I brought him to thy disciples, which are supposed to be the disciplined followers of Christ. He said, but they could not cure him. Notice what Jesus responds to the statement of this man. He responded to this man's statement. And this is what we need to carefully examine. Jesus answered and said, Oh, what's the next word? Faithless. Faithless means a lack of faith. Right. A lack of believing. Right. A lack, if they didn't act, right. there was no action. There was no proof. Faithless means a lack of faith. They had not really believed what Jesus said. They had not really believed what Jesus said. Now, are you knocking the disciples? No, let me send word on. Hey, let me send the word on up there to you, fellas. I'm not mad at you because I've been there too. You know what I mean? And I'm not talking bad about you. Say, Brother Randy, you're sending word on to them? Yeah, I don't want them gathering around the throne or at the gate when I get there and say, where are you at, boy? I heard you talking about me down there in one of your messages. We're going to see these people. So you better watch how you talk about them. You know what I mean? So I'm talking about, I'm just using you as an example here. You, I know you use me as an example of Jesus, all of that boy down there. You ought to see that boy. Yeah. So I'll forgive you if you forgive me. <laughs> say, Brother Randy, you communicating with the dead? No, I don't communicate with the dead, so don't take it out of context because they're not dead. I said, they're not dead. Right. Right. How do you know? Because after Jesus rose from the dead, remember many of the bodies which slain rose, and to be absent from the body after Jesus rose from the dead, be absent from the bodies to be present with who? The, the Lord. Lord. 
So they're alive. They're more alive now than they've ever been before. So, oh, faithless, faithless means what? A lack of faith, a lack of belief. That's the first thing he addressed. Faithless. Faithless. Woo. And perverse. Generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? In other words, how long am I going to have to be here? Can't you just act on what I taught you? I've trained you. I've taught you. I've shown you what to do. How long have I got to be here? How long have I got to be the one that does all the work? I've delegated you to the authority. Verse 18, Jesus demonstrated what they should have done to start with. Now, this is an example for you. I know you're thinking it was for the disciples, but Jesus done this in verse 18 for you and for me. Matthew 17, verse 18, and Jesus done what? He said, would you please leave if you'd like to? Leave in Jesus' name, that's what you would say. I command you to go in the name of Jesus. You never take a passive stance when it comes to the devil. Now, I'm not saying that you got to holler. Sometimes it helps me, you know what yeah. I mean? Amen. But holler and don't put no spizzerinctum behind it. As Dr. What's-His-Name used to say, Pippins used to say, you got to have spizzerinctum behind what you say, whatever that is. <laughs> he was a doctor of whatever's. Since, and I heard of a fellow yesterday that was a double doctor. Doctor, doctor. You know what I mean? So Jesus rebuked the devil. Notice he did not take a passive stance. And that's what we have to realize. You cannot take a passive stance when it comes to the devil. Jesus rebuked the devil and the devil refused to come out of the man. No. He said he rebuked the devil and he departed out of him. When? The child was cured from that very hour, or if you'd say instantly, the Amplified says he was cured instantly. Instantly, he was set free from this devil. Said, then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could we not cast him out? Jesus said this for my benefit and yours. Because of your what? Unbelief. unbelief. What is unbelief? A lack of faith. You do not believe, you have not believed what I taught you. Remember the story, Dr. Kenneth e. Hagin. <clears throat> the Lord had appeared to him and told him, you know, back earlier on, before he operated in the uh, discerning of spirits, and the gifts started operating that way, he told him he would lay his hands on each side of the person, and if the fire shot from one hand to the other, he felt the fire of God, then there would be a demon spirit or an evil spirit causing the sickness or disease that was in the person's body. Now, it, it, it's kind of like this. That don't mean that the person themselves is demon-possessed, but evil spirits can cause sicknesses in people's body. Right. And he said, if you lay your hands on it, I don't have time to preach all that. And, but uh, he laid his hands on the, this particular man, and he said he felt the fire leap from one hand to the other. And I think the man couldn't bend over. Wasn't it? Something like that. Was that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it, yeah, I want to make sure I'm right here. But uh, he, he couldn't bend over or touch his toes or do something. He was stiff as a board. And anyway, he commanded the evil spirit to come out. Right. He said, see if you can touch your toes. See if. Right. Put the word if in there. And the man couldn't move. And so he laid hands on him again. He said he commanded the demon to come out. You know, and let the man go. And he said again, see if. You know, you can do so. And so I, I think he'd done that two or three times, whatever. And then finally he said he just gave it up as a bad job. You know what I mean? He don't know why it didn't work, but it didn't work. And so the man walked off, you know, disappointed, walked back towards the back of the church. And, and while he was there, he started ministering down the line, and all of a sudden Jesus appeared to him there on the platform. Jesus appeared to him right there on the platform. Now nobody else saw him, Jesus, except Brother Hagin. And he, now they heard what Brother Hagin was saying to Jesus in response. All the audience did, because Brother Hagin said they did, but... They didn't hear what Jesus was saying, nor did they see Jesus. But the gift of discerning the spirits was operating in his ministry, so he was seeing into the realm of the spirit and seeing Jesus at that time. <clears throat> and uh, Jesus told him, he said, I told you that if you command them to come out in my name, they will come out. And Brother Hagin responded to Jesus. He said, I commanded the devil to come out in your name, but he did not come out. Jesus said back to him, 
He said, but I told you, if you command the devil to come out in my name, he will come out. Dad Hagen said in response, I told the devil to come out in your name, but the devil did not come out. He said he must have known how Jesus looked when he ran him out of the temple with, his, with a whip. He said it was like fire shot out of his eyes. And he said, yes, but I said they would, and disappeared. So he immediately <laughs> called the man and said, sir, he's still standing up in the back. Come back up here. And he come back up there. And he laid hands on that man and said, I command you to come out right now in Jesus' name. He said, bend over and touch your toes. And that man bent over. Woo! He started going through all kind of calisthenics all across the auditorium, totally set free. But why didn't the devil go out to start with? Now, I'm not knocking you, Brother Hagin. I'm sending word on. I'm just using an example here. He's probably using me as illustrations up there, and he's teaching. <laughs> but, but, but anyway, you know what I mean? I'm using him down here, and he's probably using me up there. You ought to know that boy I met on there. That boy was the wildest boy. He was in prison, all this kind of stuff. You know he's telling them stories up there. Got my daddy sitting over there. Yeah, I can confirm that. Yeah, I was there. You know, I, I know that boy. Yeah, I remember him. All that kind of stuff. But notice this. is because it, he really was doubting his ability, that's what it was. He was doubting his ability to cast out the devil even though Jesus had appeared to him and told him. Right? And so when Jesus reappeared to him there and said, yes, but I said he would. And so it changed his attitude. And this time, what did he do different the second time than he'd done the first time? He took the if out, which means he prayed in faith. Not doubting and believing. He knew when he said it, the devil would have to go. Why don't the devil go when you tell him to go? Look out. Nobody's wanting to prophesy. Now, I mean, you're always wanting to prophesy about the other fellow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Kenneth Hagin had the same experience. Right. And when he got out of doubt, when he was doubting the devil <coughs> leaving, when he got out of doubt and commanded the devil to go, what happened instantly? He got instant results. Right. You can get instant results. You've got authority over the devil. Don't be afraid of the devil. Amen. Don't be afraid to get in the arena with the devil. Don't be afraid to stand against the devil. You take your authority over him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So Jesus rebuked the devil. He departed from him. And the child was cured instantly, it says in the King James. Verse 20 says, And Jesus said to them, why, They asked, Why couldn't we cast him out? So because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. I believe that what Jesus was saying, I'd always kind of thought, you know, you just think, you know, and I didn't really sit around and meditate, but I've, I've thought just by general reading of this passage over the years that if you was going to get this kind of results, in other words, cast out this kind of devil, you had to do fasting and prayer to do it. But what I realized one day, the Lord began to talk to me about this. And what he said is, if you're going to have this kind of results anytime, anywhere, not just this type devil, because we think that we have to do something special to cast out certain types of devils. You know, you've got big devils, little devils, in-between devils. No, you just got to have the anointing of God. That's what he's talking about. You know what I mean? Every devil's on the same level. I said every devil's on the same level. What level is that? They are defeated. They are under your feet. Every devil is on the same level. I've never said that before. Every devil is on the same level. Where? Under your feet. Every devil's on the same level. Did you know that, Brother Scott? He's under your feet. It don't matter how big he is. But I think sometimes I've been guilty of categorizing devils. This one's big and that one's not. You've got to do more than this one and that one. No, every devil's on the same level. How do you know? The Holy Ghost said so. Praise God. Every devil's on the same level. Where are they at? Defeated. They're defeated. Have we got chapter and verse to prove that if we wanted yes. to? Yes. But what's happened is just human thinking. Sometimes right. we kind of think, you know, I've been guilty of yeah. thinking, well, maybe this one is in the Supreme Court. He, you know, he's got a little bit more authority than somebody else. Remember that experience that we had right here? Yeah. Right here about the Supreme Court. Was anybody else here that morning? You remember, I see hands going up here. Well, we prayed, you know, and all of a sudden I, I, I see a vision and I'm in the Supreme Court. Yeah. And there's this uh, big uh, uh, 
baboon-looking creature, for lack of a better description, that was sitting up behind the bench. There was no other human being in the room but myself. And I was in the spirit. And I was standing over in one aisle. This thing seemingly had several aisles in it with rows of chairs or benches or something in there. Because I wasn't really concentrating on what was in the thing. I was looking at that creature that was sitting up there. And I remember saying, <coughs> I see you. I see you. I think they got it recorded here somewhere. And, and, and I seen what was controlling the, the courts of the United States. And I said, I command you to come out of there in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth and leave. And that thing hopped off of that bench and went right out that door of that Supreme Court and disappeared. It didn't open the door, it just walked through it. <clears throat> there that day, that morning we were praying. And the very next day, remember Sandra Day O'Connor retired. And it went long after that that a gentleman passed away. And, I, you know, I'm not saying that everything was related to that, but I know this, there was changes that took place in the Supreme Court because of prayer that was going on. Right. Yeah. But the reason I said that is this. I remember when I was in the Spirit and I saw that devil, there was not one ounce of fear in me. Not one ounce. So you know why? I was in Christ. Right. Now, had I been in myself, I would have probably been trembling and afraid. Oh, my God. What kind of creature? But because I was in the Spirit and I was in Christ, it didn't matter how big the devil was because every devil's on the same level. Right. Where are they at? Under your feet. They are all defeated, not one of them. There's not big devils and little devils. Uh, you know, the big devil you may have a little authority over. No, every devil, every devil. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, he said you have authority and power over all the power of the enemy. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? That's what it says. Turn to Luke chapter 10. I know that's where you want to go. So, every devil's, what did I say? <laughs> every devil's on the same level. That's good. It says here, verse number 19 of Luke chapter 10. Is that where I said turn? It says, Behold, I give unto you power, or you could say authority, to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over how much? All. All. Over what? All. Over what? Over all the power of the enemy, if we had no other verse, but we have more. But if we had no other verse, this verse here would prove that every devil's on the same level when it comes to your spiritual authority. In other words, you don't have to gumption up a little bit more for one kind of devil than you do the other devil. Every devil's on the same level. That's good preaching. Amen. Every devil's on the same level. What level are they on? They're defeated and under your feet. They are under your feet. You have overcome the devil. But notice it said over there in Matthew 17. You don't have to turn back there. Jesus said this kind cometh forth but by nothing but by what? Fasting and prayer. Now let's talk about fasting and prayer a little bit. I know I've talked about it before but we need to talk about it again. Fasting does not change God. Fasting changes us. But he knows said fasting and prayer. Prayer is a form of meditation. You understand that? Prayer is a form of meditation. So what happens is through the fasting and prayer, you deal with yourself. You get yourself in faith. You meditate on the Word of God. You commune with God. You have a relationship with God. You recognize your authority in God by studying His Word and the Holy Spirit taking this Word and making it vibrant and alive unto you. So fasting and prayer deals with me so that I can in turn go deal with the devil. No, it was the enemy cannot zap my faith if I stay wrapped up in fasting and prayer. No, it was keep an attitude towards God all the time. Stay in God's Word. Let the Holy Spirit empower me, enable me, and teach me what I should do and what I should know. And I'm going to come out victorious every single time Amen. without fail. Isn't that true? Yeah. Well, that's the truth about it. Well, let me tell you a, a story about my son and about dealing with devils, evil spirits. My son was attacked with an evil spirit. Now, my son was born with what science calls, uh, medical science calls birth defects. We were believing for him to get here. First of all, the doctor told us that the child would not be born. That's when I got the call. You know, I'd taken, my wife was with me on a trip down in Florida. We'd been on a several week trip and she started to get nauseated. And remember, I thought it was a Florida water. She was drinking, you know, because we'd gotten some bad water one time up in Florida. I mean, in Ohio. And uh, we just got nauseated, just messed up, her stomach's messed up and everything. And so I got on my knees on the floor and said, God, what's wrong? You know, you said we could be healthy. He said, don't drink the water. He said, there's been a drought in the area and the water table's so low, they're not able to get all the impurities out of the water just by normal process of chlorination. He said, don't drink the, the water out of the taps. We changed not drinking the water out of the taps. In one day's time, we were totally healed, cured, and everything's fine. But so I thought, because my wife was having the same type symptoms, I thought, down there in Florida, that she had drank some bad Florida water. By the way, 
Mom Hagen talked to me. She said, Brother Randy, she said, you've been in prison too long. She said, we need to get you a book on the birds and the bees. She said, they don't get that way by drinking the Florida water. She said, if they do, we need to bottle that stuff and sell it, and we'd be millionaires overnight. I can tell you right now. And so it wasn't the Florida water, but to make a long story longer, so my wife, we took her home, dropped her off to my mother-in-law, you know, Miss Mary Thornton, and she took one look at her. Said, honey, I know what's wrong with you. You know, said, you're pregnant. Said, no, I'm not. I've been drinking that Florida water. That's what Randy told me, you know. So she takes her to the doctor because we got there late and I had to turn right around and go right back to Florida and, and, and start a meeting. So I got her home on a Saturday and had to turn around and drive all the way back that same Saturday and get there late Saturday night. But anyway, I, I, uh, she went to the doctor the next day or Monday when it came. And uh, the doctor took, come in there and took one look at her and said, Honey, I know what's wrong with you. She said, he said, But I'll tell you in a minute. She said, What do you think's wrong with me? She said, I think you're pregnant, but we're going to do the test. No, I'm not, Doc. I've been drinking that Florida water. So he come back and he went along before they'd done the test. You know, and come back and it showed positive. said, Honey, you're pregnant. She said, It's the Florida water. He said, That's some powerful stuff. But anyway, he told her the embryo had not attached itself to her womb correctly and that she would have, in medical terms, a miscarriage. She said, you, you never have the baby. And of course, she's squalling and crying. You know, her mother is too. What, is there any course of hope? What can you do? She said, yes, the only thing I can tell you to do is stay off your feet. Don't walk. Don't do anything. Don't pick up anything. Don't lift anything. Her mama said, I'll make sure she don't. I'll knock her in the head with a frying pan if she moves. She said, you wanted a grandbaby. So she took her home with her, put her flat in the bed, only let her get up to go to the restroom, and that's it. Everything else, she wouldn't let her move. You'd load her covers. Wouldn't even let her pick the covers up. I mean, just took her that way. They went back to the doctor two weeks later, and the doctor said it's a miracle. Said the baby is growing and healthy. It's attached itself to your womb. Said it looks like we're going here. So anyway, we prayed. Anyway, he got here and then had all these problems. It looked like there's no way it's going to work out. And then he started having, after he was born, violent seizures. Well, we didn't realize and understand what it was, and the medical science didn't. They, they treated him. You know, whatever kind of lotion and potion known to man, you know, every kind of uh, antidepressant pills or whatever else kind of pills and everything they could get and shots and everything, and he would still have these seizures and be as dead. I mean, his just shut down, his eyes roll back in his head, little arms get stiff, and his legs stretch, stretch out, and it gets stiff as an iron board. If you could balance him, you could have balanced him on your finger. I mean, just a little bitty fella, you know. And we would have done everything the doctors told us to do. I mean, every kind of thing you could ever imagine. He would scream and cry and torment, and his mama and I would walk the floor with him. I'm talking about all night long. All night walking the floor with him, claiming his healing, praying in the Holy Ghost because we didn't know what to do. And I would walk sometimes all night long. I just had to change my ministry at that time because we didn't know what to do. We was fighting for his life. We didn't know how to do things. We are believing for his healing. He'd have one of these seizures and... He would just cry out in torment. We didn't know what was going on. But one day, thank God for the Holy Ghost. I'm taking, talking about your authority. I'm talking about who God is inside of you. <clears throat> the revelation knowledge of God. Now, had I known this, I could have acted on it sooner. But I didn't know it. It had to come by revelation. I thought it was physically something wrong with my son, and he needed physical healing. The doctors had told us, you know, he's going to have brain damage, he'd be a vegetable, all kind of stuff, because he died, ain't got time to go into all that, but he died the second day after he was born, just all kind of stuff. You know, this didn't look good, and the doctors, the medical reports and all that didn't look good. But uh, as I'm walking through the house one day, and I had him setting up in his car seat, they told us, you know, set him up, you know, all kind of stuff. Don't let him lay down, just, just all kind of things, except at night. So I had him setting up his car seat, and he's sitting there. And I'm walking back and forth, just praying, you know, just seeking God, wondering what's going on. You know, lack of sleep, sleep deprivation, I believe is what they call it. Anybody ever had a baby that you dealt with? Woo, glory, you know. Well, you can identify some of these things and, and know that. But this went on, you know, for a long time. But I'm walking through there one day. And praying and seeking God, my wife had gone somewhere for just a short while. As I was walking, all of a sudden, my son went into a seizure because I'm watching him immediately. His eyes rolled back in his head, his little legs shot straight out, even though I had him strapped in that car seat. He, his little legs shot straight out, his arms shot straight behind his head. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Any other time, I'd have reached and grabbed him and started praying for healing. But this particular day, all of a sudden, the word of knowledge operated in me and instantly I knew that a devil, a demon, was attacking my son. Now, I'd have never thought that in my natural mind or my own natural thinking, 
But I reached down then when that happened, unsnapped that belt. There's just one button, you know, you hit and he's loose from that thing. And I picked him up and I looked at him with authority and I said, I command you, Satan, take your hands off my baby in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And when I said that, within five seconds, my son Randall, Alan Greer Jr., burst out laughing. Ha, 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 ha. I said, uh-huh, I got me a devil, an evil spirit. Now, that don't mean he was possessed. Right. That means my son was being attacked by this thing. Just like this man's son that we read about in Matthew 17. This thing would attack this man's son and try to throw him in the fire and throw him in the water. Well, that's exactly what would have happened to my son if he had grown up with his torment all his life. He'd have been walking along and all of a sudden this thing knocked him down just any kind of wear. But that day, glory to God, I recognized it was a devil and guess what? He did not have a full-blown seizure, and he did not have a full-blown seizure from that very day. Now, you know the story about how we were sitting with Dr. Kenneth e. Hagin one night. And Dr. Kenneth e. Hagin just kept looking at Randall, never said a word, you know, just sitting over there twiddling his thumbs. Never said a word. But then, in his very next service, he got up and he said, he said this, he said, some people have seizures because, we didn't tell him anything, Seizures because physical illness is wrong with somebody and they need healing. He said other people have seizures because evil spirits are attacking them. He said, I'm going to command that devil to stop right now in the name of Jesus Christ and it's not going to bother him no more. And, and uh, Pastor David Coker, you know him. You know Pastor, he was sitting right there. He witnessed it. He can verify it because he was sitting <clears throat> to my right, Pastor David Coker, and I was sitting here. We had Randall sitting in the seat beside us in his little car seat. My wife was sitting on the other side of Randall. Dr. Hagen prayed an authoritative but just simple prayer. He said, I command you foul spirit to loose and let go right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ or something similar to that, you know. He didn't yell and scream at the top of his voice or anything like that. He just said it. When he said that, immediately Randall went into what looked like a full-blown seizure. His eyes rolled back in his head, his feet shot out, his arms shot straight back. When normally, I would go into action. Of course, my wife is sitting there waiting for me to do something because all of the time, I would do something and the devil would leave him every time, every single time without fail. But that day, I thought, if Kenneth E. Hagin can't handle it, there's no need for me to do it. He started it, so he ought to finish it. In a matter of about 30 seconds, Randall started laughing, and this was July of 1993, and he hadn't had a seizure since that day. Totally set free. The devil Amen. is defeated. Amen. Every devil is on the same level. That's right. I said every That's devil right. is on the same level. You know what level they're on? They're under your under feet. feet. There's no big devils. There's no little devils. There's no big Satans. And yes, there's ones that operate in higher levels and higher realms. Yes, but every devil is on the same level when it comes to the Christian. Right. You've got authority over him. I have authority over him, but I must recognize my authority and use my authority. A, a, a lack of, of, of unbelief or faith was what will cause evil spirits to continue operating against you. But if you'll stand your ground, and sometimes, let me tell you this, in closing, sometimes when you're dealing with devils, demons, and evil spirits, sometimes. Of course, Brother Scott, you remember our, our demon casting out time. My brother Scott said, oh my God, it's just like the Bible. Remember that? <laughs> this man, I mean, just looked as calm and normal. You know, in our, our Bible class, I remember he's sitting up in Bible class and he was taking about as many notes or more notes than anybody else in there. He's a good note taker, brother Scott said. But I mean, I looked over there when I did. I mean, the Lord just used me that way so much. It's not a put down to any other preacher that was there preaching to him. Scott had preached to him uh, Robert and Rosie had preached to him, sitting right up there in the Bible class. And I looked over there and I said, oh my Lord, we got a demon-possessed guy sitting right up here and taking notes. So I just said, did you stir him up? No, I didn't bother him. I ain't hunting no devil. I just let him go ahead and take the notes. I want to read them later. <laughs> <laughs> but we dealt with him later, didn't we? You was right there, you seen it. Just seemed like just a normal human, look about as normal as you do. So I better check you out real good this morning. About as normal as you do. Didn't he, Brother Scott? Yeah. This is normal. Yeah. And I remember when I called him in to, you know, Brother Scott, I waited till he got there. Robert and Rosie to get there. I waited for them, called them in. You know, I called the guy in first, set him in a chair and asked him, <coughs> you know, told him that there's some things in his life that's had to come out if he's going to stay in this program. 
And he, he admitted to it, and he wanted it to be free. Well, so they came in, and I could see Miss Rosie, and especially Mr. Robert, kind of rolling her eyes like, oh, God. And I, Brother Scott didn't know what he was fixing to get into there. And I had Brother Scott stand on one side and Robert stand on the other side, and I just kind of kneeled down, get eyeball level with that guy, and I looked right in his eyes, and I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you, foul devil, I know you're in there, and I command you in Jesus' name to come out of him. And when I did, guess what happened? Ah! <laughs> Woo! I said, get him, Scott. And Scott got on one arm, and, and Robert, I said, get on the other arm. You remember that? Woo! And Scott hollered out, oh my God, this is just like the Bible. <laughs> and it was just like the Bible. We should have Bible experiences. But I'm here to tell you, the devil's come out. And we cast it. I don't know how many was it out. What, about 14? Huh? Yeah, I thought Miss Rosie said it was about 14. But yeah, she was accounting them. But we was telling them to come out. Only one demon possesses a person, and then the others kind of tag along because a person's will is so weak. But anyway... The demons come out of the individual in, in that particular time in service. Why? Because we knew our authority. I knew my authority. I knew what I had. And, and I'm telling you this, and, and uh, I was going to say this earlier. Thank you, Lord, for bringing it back to me. When you're standing against the devil sometimes in the individual life, <clears throat> sometimes when, you, when you're taking authority over him, there's, there is, and I, I found this to be true, Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes you have to continue your stand against him. In other words, you command him to go. Remember, and say, so well, where's your chapter and verse at for it? I know you scripture folks want that. Remember Matthew chapter 4? How many times did the devil come back to Jesus? Even though he resisted him. He hung around, but he eventually left. After Jesus kept on operating in his authority. Sometimes you just have to keep standing and say in the name of Jesus Christ, nope, you're not coming here. Nope, you're defeated in the name of Jesus. Nope, I've already told you to go and you've got to go in the name of Jesus. Sometimes things happen over a period of time. Other things happen instantaneously. And, and it seems to be, to me, the people that have the, the, the biggest uh, challenge that at standing against the powers of darkness are people that have allowed something to continue for a lengthy period of time in their life. Now, they might not know it's a devil, you understand? They might not understand it, but he's been there so long. He knows how you operate. He knows where your weaknesses are, and he knows how to attack you and, and come against your mind. Sometimes there's a standing period of just quoting God's Word speaking God's word about your situation, standing on God's word and commanding the devil in the name of Jesus Christ that he is defeated and he has no right in your life. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. So stand and believe God and you're going to come out every single time without fail. Amen. But I'll guarantee you, you've got authority over the enemy. You, every time that he tries to come, just resist him in the name of Jesus. Said, Brother Randy, does it ever get easier? Yes, it will. Amen. It will get easier. He'll just be light and you'll even, won't even know the devil exists after a while because you'll just be walking and operating in that authority. To start with, it may be a challenge. Yes, you may be tested, but you just keep standing. You keep quoting God's word about your situation. You keep reminding the devil that he's already defeated. Every devil is on what level? The same level. What is that? Under your feet. So you've got authority over the enemy, so put him in his place in the name of Jesus Christ and you're going to come out on top every single time. I know you were blessed by this message. If you would like to receive more information about Randall Greer Ministries, or if you'd like to receive our free newsletter, just let us know. We'd be happy to send it to you. Just write us at Randall Greer Ministries, P.O. Box 2227, Owasso, Oklahoma 74055. Or you can contact us at our website, www.rgm.me. And remember, God is always with us.